Chapter Eight of Benito Sereno by Herman Melville. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Benito Sereno by Herman Melville. Chapter Eight in the Cuddy. At this moment, a messenger boy, a white, hurried by in the regular performance of his function carrying the last expired half-hour forward to the forecastle from the cabin timepiece to have it struck at the ship's large bell master said the servant discontinuing his work on the coat-sleeve and addressing the rapt spaniard with a sort of timid apprehensiveness as one charged with a duty the discharge of which it was foreseen would prove irksome to the very person who had imposed it and for whose benefit it was intended master told me never mind where he was or how engaged always to remind him to a minute when shaving time comes miguel has gone to strike the half-hour afternoon it is now master will master go into the cuddy ah yes answered the spaniard starting somewhat as from dreams into realities then turning upon captain delano he said that ere long he would resume the conversation then if master means to talk more to don amasa said the servant why not let don amasa sit by master in the cuddy and master can talk and don amasa can listen while babo here lathers and strops yes said captain delano not unpleased with this sociable plan yes don benito unless you had rather not i will go with you be it so senor as the three passed aft the american could not but think it another strange instance of his host's capriciousness this being shaved with such uncommon punctuality in the middle of the day but he deemed it more than likely that the servant's anxious fidelity had something to do with the matter inasmuch as the timely interruption served to rally his master from the mood which had evidently been coming upon him the place called the cuddy was a light deck cabin formed by the poop a sort of attic to the large cabin below part of it had formerly been the quarters of the officers but since their death all the partitionings had been thrown down and the whole interior converted into one spacious and airy marine hall for absence of fine furniture and picturesque disarray of odd appurtenances somewhat answering to the wide cluttered hall of some eccentric bachelor squire in the country who hangs his shooting-jacket and tobacco-pouch on deer-antlers and keeps his fishing-rod tongs and walking-stick in the same corner the similitude was heightened if not originally suggested by glimpses of the surrounding sea since in one aspect the country and the ocean seem cousins german the floor of the cuddy was matted overhead four or five old muskets were stuck into horizontal holes along the beams on one side was a claw-footed old table lashed to the deck a thumbed missile on it and over it a small meagre crucifix attached to the bulkhead under the table lay a dented cutlass or two 
with a hacked harpoon among some melancholy old rigging like a heap of poor friars girdles there were also two long sharp-ribbed settees of malacca cane black with age and uncomfortable to look at as inquisitors racks with a large misshapen armchair which furnished with a rude barber's crutch at the back working with a screw seemed some grotesque middle-age engine of torment a flag-locker was in one corner exposing various colored bunting some rolled up others half unrolled still others tumbled opposite was a cumbrous washstand of black mahogany all of one block with a pedestal like a font and over it a railed shelf containing combs brushes and other implements of the toilet a tom hammock of stained grass swung near the sheets tossed and the pillow wrinkled up like a brow as if whoever slept here slept but illy with alternate visitations of sad thoughts and bad dreams the further extremity of the cuddy overhanging the ship's stern was pierced with three openings windows or portholes according as men or cannon might peer socially or unsocially out of them at present neither men nor cannon were seen though huge ring-bolts and other rusty iron fixtures of the woodwork hinted of twenty-four pounders glancing toward the hammock as he entered captain delano said you sleep here don benito yes senor since we got into mild weather this seems a sort of dormitory sitting-room sail-loft chapel armory and private closet together don benito added captain delano looking around yes senor events have not been favorable to much order in my arrangements here the servant napkin on arm made a motion as if waiting his master's good pleasure don benito signified his readiness when seating him in the malacca armchair and for the guest's convenience drawing opposite it one of the settees the servant commenced operations by throwing back his master's collar and loosening his cravat there is something in the negro which in a peculiar way fits him for avocations about one's person most negroes are natural valets and hairdressers taking to the comb and brush congenially as to the castanets and flourishing them apparently with almost equal satisfaction there is too a smooth tact about them in this employment with a marvellous noiseless gliding briskness not ungraceful in his way singularly pleasing to behold and still more so to be the manipulated subject of and above all is the great gift of good humour not the mere grin or laugh is here meant those were unsuitable but a certain easy cheerfulness harmonious in every glance and gesture as though god had set the whole negro to some pleasant tune when to all this is added the docility arising from the unaspiring contentment of a limited mind 
and that susceptibility of blind attachment sometimes inhering in indisputable inferiors one readily perceives why those hypochondriacs johnson and byron it may be something like the hypochondriac benito sereno took to their hearts almost to the exclusion of the entire white race their serving men the negroes barber and fletcher but if there be that in the negro which exempts him from the inflicted sourness of the morbid or cynical mind how in his most prepossessing aspects must he appear to a benevolent one when at ease with respect to exterior things captain delano's nature was not only benign but familiarly and humorously so at home he had often taken rare satisfaction in sitting in his door watching some free man of color at his work or play if on a voyage he chanced to have a black sailor invariably he was on chatty and half gamesome terms with him in fact like most men of a good blithe heart captain delano took to negroes not philanthropically but genially just as other men to newfoundland dogs hitherto the circumstances in which he found the san dominic had repressed the tendency but in the cuddy relieved from his former uneasiness and for various reasons more sociably inclined than at any previous period of the day and seeing the colored servant napkin on arm so debonair about his master in a business so familiar as that of shaving too all his old weakness for negroes returned among other things he was amused with an odd instance of the african love of bright colors and fine shows in the blacks informally taking from the flag-locker a great piece of bunting of all hues and lavishly tucking it under his master's chin for an apron the mode of shaving among the spaniards is a little different from what it is with other nations they have a basin specially called a barber's basin which on one side is scooped out so as accurately to receive the chin against which it is closely held in lathering which is done not with a brush but with soap dipped in the water of the basin and rubbed on the face in the present instance salt water was used for lack of better and the parts lathered were only the upper lip and low down under the throat all the rest being cultivated beard these preliminaries being somewhat novel to captain delano he sat curiously eyeing them so that no conversation took place nor for the present did don benito appear disposed to renew any setting down his basin the negro searched among the razors as for the sharpest and having found it gave it an additional edge by expertly stropping it on the firm smooth oily skin of his open palm he then made a gesture as if to begin but midway stood suspended for an instant one hand elevating the razor the other professionally dabbling among the bubbly suds on the spaniard's lank neck not unaffected by the close sight of the gleaming steel don benito nervously shuddered his usual ghastliness 
was heightened by the lather, which lather again was intensified in its hue by the sootiness of the negro's body. Altogether the scene was somewhat peculiar, at least to Captain Delano, nor as he saw the two thus postured could he resist the vagary that in the black he saw a headsman, and in the white a man at the block. But this was one of those antic conceits, appearing and vanishing in a breath, from which perhaps the best regulated mind is not free. Meantime the agitation of the Spaniard had a little loosened the bunting from around him, so that one broad fold swept curtain-like over the chair-arm to the floor, revealing, amid a profusion of armorial bars and ground-colors, black, blue, and yellow, a closed castle in a blood-red field diagonal with a lion rampant in a white. "'The castle and the lion!' exclaimed Captain Delano. "'Why, Don Benito, this is the flag of Spain you use here.' "'It's well, it's only I, and not the king that sees this,' he added with a smile. "'But,' turning toward the black, "'it's all one, I suppose, so the colors be gay,' which playful remark did not fail somewhat to tickle the negro. "'Now, master,' he said, readjusting the flag and pressing the head gently further back into the crotch of the chair. "'Now, master,' and the steel glanced nigh the throat. Again Don Benito faintly shuddered. "'You must not shake so, master. See, Don Amasa, master always shakes when I shave him, and yet master knows I never yet have drawn blood, though it's true, if master will shake so, I may some of these times. Now, master,' he continued, "'and now, Don Amasa, please go on with your talk about the gale and all that. Master can hear, and between times Master can answer. "'Ah, yes, these gales,' said Captain Delano. "'But the more I think of your voyage, Don Benito, the more I wonder, not at the gales, terrible as they must have been, but at the disastrous interval following them. For here, by your account, have you been these two months, and more, getting from Cape Horn to St. Maria, a distance which I myself and a good wind have sailed in a few days.' True, you had calms and long ones, but to be becalmed for two months, that is at least unusual. Why, Don Benito, had almost any other gentleman told me such a story, I should have been half disposed to a little incredulity. Here an involuntary expression came over the Spaniard, similar to that just before on the deck, and whether it was the start he gave or a sudden gawky roll of the hull in the calm or a momentary unsteadiness of the servant's hand however it was just then the razor drew blood spots of which stained the creamy lather under the throat immediately the black barber drew back his steel and remaining in his professional attitude back to captain delano and face to don benito held up the trickling razor saying with a sort of half-humorous sorrow, "'See, master, you shook so. Here's Babo's first blood.' No sword drawn before James I of England, no assassination in that timid king's presence, could have produced a more terrified aspect than was now presented by Don Benito. 
Poor fellow, thought Captain Delano, so nervous he can't even bear the sight of Barber's blood. And this unstrung, sick man, is it credible that I should have imagined he meant to spill all my blood, who can't endure the sight of one little drop of his own? Surely, Amasa Delano, you have been beside yourself this day. Tell it not when you get home, sappy Amasa. Well, well, he looks like a murderer, does he? More like as if himself were to be done for. Well, well, this day's experience shall be a good lesson. Meantime, while these things were running through the honest seaman's mind, the servant had taken the napkin from his arm, and to Don Benito had said, But answer, Don Amasa, please, master, while I wipe this ugly stuff off the razor and strop it again. As he said these words, his face was turned half round, so as to be alike visible to the Spaniard and the American, and seemed by its expression to hint that he was desirous, by getting his master to go on with the conversation, considerately to withdraw his attention from the recent annoying accident. As if glad to snatch the offered relief, Don Benito resumed, rehearsing to Captain Delano, that not only were the calms of unusual duration, but the ship had fallen in with obstinate currents and other things, he added, some of which were but repetitions of former statements, to explain how it came to pass that the passage from Cape Horn to St. Maria had been so exceedingly long, now and then mingling with his words incidental praises, less qualified than before, to the blacks for their general good conduct. These particulars were not given consecutively, the servant now and then using his razor, and so between the intervals of shaving, the story and panegyric went on with more than usual huskiness. To Captain Delano's imagination, now again not wholly at rest, there was something so hollow in the Spaniard's manner, with apparently some reciprocal hollowness in the servant's dusky comment of silence, that the idea flashed across him that possibly master and man, for some unknown purpose, were acting out, both in word and deed, nay, to the very tremor of Don Benito's limbs, some juggling play before him. Neither did the suspicion of collusion lack apparent support from the fact of those whispered conferences before mentioned. But then, what could be the object of enacting this play of the barber before him? At last, regarding the notion as a whimsy insensibly suggested, perhaps, by the theatrical aspect of Don Benito in his Harlequin Ensign, Captain Delano speedily banished it. The shaving over, the servant bestirred himself with a small bottle of scented waters, pouring a few drops on the head, and then diligently rubbing the vehemence of the exercise causing the muscles of his face to twitch rather strangely. His next operation was with comb, scissors, and brush, going round and round, smoothing a curl here, clipping an unruly whisker hair there, giving a graceful sweep to the temple lock, with other impromptu touches, 
evincing the hand of a master. While, like any resigned gentleman in barber's hands, Don Benito bore all much less uneasily, at least, than he had done the razoring, indeed he sat so pale and rigid now that the negro seemed a nubian sculptor finishing off a white statue-head all being over at last the standard of spain removed tumbled up and tossed back into the flag-locker the negro's warm breath blowing away any stray hair which might have lodged down his master's neck collar and gravet readjusted a speck of lint whisked off the velvet lapel. All this being done, backing off a little space and pausing with an expression of subdued self-complacency, the servant for a moment surveyed his master, as in toilet at least, the creature of his own tasteful hands. Captain Delano playfully complimented him upon his achievement, at the same time congratulating Don Benito but neither sweet-waters nor shampooing nor fidelity nor sociality delighted the spaniard seeing him relapsing into forbidding gloom and still remaining seated captain delano thinking that his presence was undesired just then withdrew on pretense of seeing whether as he had prophesied any signs of a breeze were visible Walking forward toward the mainmast, he stood a while thinking over the scene, and not without some undefined misgivings, when he heard a noise near the cuddy, and turning saw the negro, his hand to his cheek. Advancing, Captain Delano perceived that the cheek was bleeding. He was about to ask the cause when the negro's wailing soliloquy enlightened him. Ah, when will master get better from his sickness? Only the sour heart that sour sickness breeds made him serve Babo so, cutting Babo with the razor, because only by accident Babo had given master one little scratch, and for the first time in so many a day, too. Ah, 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 holding his hand to his face. Is it possible, thought Captain Delano, was it to wreck in private this Spanish spite against this poor friend of his, that Don Benito, by his sullen manner, impelled me to withdraw? Ah, this slavery breeds ugly passions in man. Poor fellow. He was about to speak in sympathy to the negro, but with a timid reluctance he now re-entered the cuddy. Presently master and man came forth, Don Benito leaning on his servant as if nothing had happened. But a sort of love quarrel after all, thought Captain Delano. He accosted Don Benito, and they slowly walked together. They had gone but a few paces when the steward, a tall, raja-looking mulatto, orientally set off with a pagoda turban formed by three or four madras handkerchiefs wound about his head, tier on tier. Approaching with a salam, announced lunch in the cabin. On their way thither, the two captains were preceded by the mulatto, who, turning round as he advanced with continual smiles and bows, ushered them in, 
a display of elegance which quite completed the insignificance of the small bareheaded babo who as if not unconscious of inferiority eyed askance the graceful steward but in part captain delano imputed his jealous watchfulness to that peculiar feeling which the full-blooded african entertains for the adulterated one as for the steward his manner if not bespeaking much dignity of self-respect yet evidenced his extreme desire to please which is doubly meritorious as at once christian and chesterfieldian captain delano observed with interest that while the complexion of the mulatto was hybrid his physiognomy was european classically so don benito whispered he i am glad to see this usher of the goldenrod of yours the sight refutes an ugly remark once made to me by a barbados planter that when a mulatto has a regular european face look out for him he is a devil but see your steward here has features more regular than king george's of england and yet here he nods and bows and smiles a king indeed the king of kind hearts and polite fellows what a pleasant voice he has too he has senor but tell me has he not so far as you have known him always proved a good worthy fellow said captain delano pausing while with a final genuflection the steward disappeared into the cabin come for the reason just mentioned i am curious to know francesco is a good man rather sluggishly responded don benito like a phlegmatic appreciator who would neither find fault nor flatter ah i thought so for it were strange indeed and not very creditable to us white skins if a little of our blood mixed with the africans should far from improving the latter's quality have the sad effect of pouring vitriolic acid into black broth improving the hue perhaps but not the wholesomeness doubtless doubtless senor but glancing at babo not to speak of negroes your planter's remark i have heard apply to the spanish and indian intermixtures in our provinces but i know nothing about the matter he listlessly added and here they entered the cabin End of chapter 8 in the Cuddy. Recording by Bill Mosley, Frelsburg, Texas, USA.